This morning we celebrate the light, the light of Jesus who came into the world. And as part of the preaching series, we're lighting a candle which symbolizes Jesus as the light because we're focusing during the sermon series on Jesus' high priestly prayer to his disciples. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the Lord of glory, mighty and powerful. You do speak to us. You do make us yours. We ask this morning that you would guide our hearts and minds as we look at your scripture and hear what they have to say to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You're going to catch up. How do we really know a person? At work, you want to hire somebody and... You want to know who this person is. You have them come in. They provide a resume. You have an interview. And in the interview, the idea is to get to know them as much as possible, trying to evaluate uh, who they are. But an interview and a resume doesn't communicate really who a person is. You don't know what their work habits are. You don't really know what their character is. You don't know what their personality is. You kind of make a leap. Say, all right, I think they look okay, so I'm going to hire them. How do you really know a person? In our personal lives, we're we're so uncertain about knowing that we actually use computers to help us to know. We do computer dating because we, we can't do it ourselves. We don't know how to do it. We put our profiles and We put who we are down on the computer and hopefully that that will work out. We use social media to communicate somewhat of who we are. But that really doesn't communicate who we are. And even when people are dating and are thinking about getting married, they're still nervous about, do I really know this person? Will we be able to spend a lifetime together? Is this really going to work? I'm just, I, I don't know. How do I know what this person is or who this person is. And if we struggle to know who people are that are around us, who we can see, who can feel, who we can touch, who we can talk to, how much more do we struggle with the question of how can I really know who God is? God is a person I can't see, a person I can't call on the phone, a person I can't touch. It's a person that speaks to me with a still, small voice. It's just not quite the same. How do we really know God? That's what we're going to get to this morning. Tim started this last week when he was looking at John chapter 17. He looked at verses 2 and 3. I'm looking at verses 1, 4, and 5, but I want to read the whole thing so that it comes to us as a whole. This is Christ's prayer as he's praying for his disciples and he's praying to the Father. In this first section, he is praying to the Father. And so let's read that for you. 
John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you, have gave, you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So, Tim preached last week about this idea of knowing God. And he focused on this verse here. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that's sort of what I started out with. How do we get, how do we know God? And Tim talked about that last week. But basically the Bible asserts we can know God. So if we look in Jeremiah chapter 31, this is the Old Covenant. This is the Old Testament when people didn't have the opportunity to know God. And this is what God says. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. We will all know the Lord. We can know the Lord. That's what the Bible asserts. And that's what Tim talked about last week, and I don't really want to go back to it, but he talked about you can know God. You can know him through our awareness. You can know him through information gathered in sermons and in the Bible. You can know him through experience walking through the woods and just talking to God. And you can know him through encounters with God. And all of it boils down to building a relationship with God. But we can know God. But I want to talk about something different that's in the, inside this passage. Again, I want to get at the fact that we can know God. But I want to work at it in a different way. Because if you look at the passage, passage asserts that we can know the Father, but we know him through the glory of the Son. So look at the passage. We have that section that Tim looked at that I've kind of grayed out in the middle, but in front of it and behind it is a sandwich that talks about glory. So somehow glory has got to be important to knowing God. Look at what he says. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. And then verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So we can know God. But sometimes, or something about this, has to do with glory. I want to pause for a minute, and I want to talk about two things. 
I want to talk about know and glory. First thing I want to do is talk a little bit about know, because I can say that I know God. I've given my life to Christ. I study scriptures for most of my life. I pray. I go to church. I walk through the woods and you go through nature and you just, you're in awe of the majesty that God has made and the creation that's there. I can know God. But in all humility, I have to say that I don't know God. Now that's odd. I say in one sense, I know God, but in another sense, I said, I don't know God. I don't know God because the longer I live as a Christian, the more I realize that there is much more to God than I, that I have to learn. I want to give you an example. The Pharisees. That's a great example. The Pharisees were the religious leaders in Jesus' time. They knew God. They really knew God. They knew him because they knew the Old Testament. In fact, a lot of them had it all memorized. I mean, that's incredible, but they memorized it. They talked about it. They talked about it in the morning. They talked about it in the evening. They studied it together. They, they studied the theology, and they determined in all of their arrogance that they know God. But you know what? God showed up in their midst in the form of Jesus Christ. They didn't, they didn't know him at all. They believed that they knew God, but when God actually showed up in their lives, they didn't recognize him at all. And that is something that we have to, to look at. We need to understand that, yes, we can know God in the sense that he has saved us. He has he is involved in our lives. We worship him. We sing to him. We know God. But in another sense, we don't know God. And that's what I want to get at this morning. Because we are lifelong learners. It's not a one and done. I become a Christian, I know God. It is a lifelong getting to know God. There are no simple tricks. There are no five steps to knowing God. Even though you can go onto the internet and ask the question, how do I know God? You're going to see all kinds of sermons about five quick, easy steps to how to know God. Because they're out there. But that's not actually the reality. Yes, we do know God, but we're spending the rest of our lives getting to know him better. And that's why I put that in there. We can know the Father better through the glory of the Son. All right, there's something about glory. Glory is throughout this passage. What does glory mean? What is glory? We sing about glory. There are lots of psalms that talk about glory. We look at passages like this in the psalms. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart, I will glorify your name forever. Another one, I will praise God's name in song and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. The, the definition of glory in these passages 
are really praise and honor. In fact, you could substitute praise and honor for glory in this passage. You could say, I will praise your name forever. I will honor your name forever. I will praise him with thanksgiving. Praise and honor, isn't that what glory means? Well, I think that in this passage, um, it doesn't quite fit. If we were to take verse 1, which says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. So let's take glory, praise and honor, substitute it into that passage and see what we get. The hour has come. Father, praise your Son's name forever, that your Son may praise your name forever. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's kind of like, hey, Jesus says to the Father, wow, you're really great. The Father says back, wow, you're really great back. No, 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 you're greater than me. No, no, you're great. It's like this, you know, going back and forth. You're just praise and awesome. You're, oh, you've got tons of majesty. Oh, you have really tons of majesty. doesn't make any sense at all. There's something else that's going on in this passage. It isn't just praise and honor. Glory does mean praise and honor, but it means other things in Scripture. And in order to really understand what Jesus is getting at here, we need to understand what glory is in some of those other passages in Scripture. So we, need, we come to know God better through the glory of the Son. But what is this glory of the Son? First of all, the glory of the Son involves Jesus glorified, by, glorified God by doing God's work. Look at verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Here's a sense in which glory, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. It's brought you glory by actually doing work. It doesn't have anything to do with praise and honor. Glory has to do with the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Glory is dying on the cross. That was quite Christ's glory. But Christ dying on the cross, that was also God's glory. Because Christ's glory is God's glory. Their work is exactly the same. The Father and the Son shared a mission to, together. God's glory was, Jesus' glory was to do the work that God had called him to do. Glory is mission. It is work. It is finishing, completing the work that God had given Jesus to do. By finishing that work, Jesus brought glory to God. Now the cool thing about this is for the disciples, they actually got to see God's glory every single day. They got to see God's glory because they could watch what Jesus did every single day. By doing that work, Jesus was bringing glory to God and bringing glory to himself because glory has to do with mission. And 
That's what they were doing. So if you look in John chapter 2, verse 11, this is Jesus' first miracle. He changed water into wine. Notice where glory comes into this. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs or the miracles through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, at that point, it has to do with a miracle being part of the work of Jesus. Now, obviously, doing a miracle is God being strong and mighty, too, and that's being part of glory, too. But work is the emphasis here. So if we look back at verse 1, instead of it, Jesus bringing glory to God and God bringing glory to Jesus, if you look at that glory as work, as the work that Jesus is doing, then we could reinterpret that verse something like this. The, this is the hour of my death. My glory has come, and through it I will bring glory to you. Now that actually makes sense, because glory doesn't have to do with praise and honor of God. Glory has to do with Jesus is completing his mission. He's completing God's mission. And he is doing that, and that is his glory. We can know God because we see what Jesus has done. We talk about what it means to know God. The first part of that is we know God because we see through Scripture what Jesus did and how he did that. And that is Jesus' glory, and that's part of how we know who God is. But not only that, we're looking at the glory of the Son. Jesus glorified God by doing God's work. Jesus also glorified God by reflecting God's character. Glory has something to do with not only mission, but with actual character. Well, how does that work? Let's look at another passage in the Old Testament. We're going to look at Moses again. Moses takes the people of Israel out of Egypt and is taking them to the promised land in Israel. In the process, they stop at a place where Mount Sinai is, and Moses goes up onto the mountain, and God's glory, his visible glory, comes down on the mountain, and God looks awesome and majestic, and it's just amazing. The people look at it and go, oh man, I'm glad I'm not up there with God. But Moses is a little bit intimidated by bringing these people into Israel, and he actually asks God, I'd like to see your glory. And what he's saying there is, I don't want, I've, I've seen the fire, I've seen the, the pillar of fire at, during the night, I've seen the smoke in the day, I've seen all these incredible things. I want to see you this time. I want to see your glory. I want you to come and I want to see you. That's a pretty bold request that Moses is making of God. But God turns around and says, okay, I'll let you see my glory. Now, my glory is a little bit overwhelming. That's what he said to Moses. I really can't let you see uh, all of me because if, it, if we do, then you'll have to die but I will let you see my back. But here's the verses where God says, okay, I am going to let my glory pass you by. 
But the way he describes his glory is really kind of interesting in here. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. So rather than huge fireworks, incredible majesty and power, just completely overwhelming, this is God's glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. See? Incredible power, incredible majesty, that's all there. Honor, praise, that's all there. But that's not here. Here, goodness, mercy, compassion. Those are all characters of God, characteristics of God. Those are God's glory, as well as all of the rest of it. Glory is more than just praise and honor. It gets to God's attributes. All of God's attributes are part of his glory, whether it's love or truth or holiness or grace or goodness or power or mercy and, or knowledge. It's all part of Jesus' glory. It's all part of God's glory. Their glory is shared. The characteristics are there. So when we behold God's glory, we look at Jesus and we see the kind of character that he manifests, the kind of characters that, characteristics that he showed in living his life on the earth, and we begin to know who God is, by who Jesus is. Can we trust God? Is he faithful and is he true? Is he loving? Is he compassionate? Is he good? Does he have mercy? And as we look at Jesus and the glory of Jesus, we see the glory of God. But more than that, when we look at the, the glory of Jesus, we also see his willingness and self-denial, being God, becoming a man for us. Obedience, being willing to serve God on earth, even to his death by being nailed on a cross. Suffering, willing to be tortured and die and then exalted again into God's presence. These are the characteristics that Jesus has shown us. They are Jesus' glory. They are God's glory. And we can know God by observing Christ's character because Jesus reflected God's glory here on earth. We know God. We can know God because we have seen Jesus' glory, his character, his work, his mission. Jesus' glory is God's glory. So as we observe Jesus, we come to know God better. There's something missing here about the glory part of it. We've looked at glory being Jesus' mission. We've looked at glory being Jesus' character. There's one other thing. Jesus is glorified when we imitate his glory. Think about the Pharisees again. Think about that example. They knew God, but their character was not one of mercy or compassion. 
Their character was not of love. So for us to say that we know God and yet to not imitate God, there's something wrong with that. In order for glory to go through, we have to be part of the process of glory. And we look at We look at verse 10. It says, all I have is yours. That's Jesus speaking. All Jesus has is God's. And all God has is mine. And this is the important one. And glory has come to me through them, through the disciples. This is an amazing statement. It's really easy to say, okay, so God is really glorious. God has glory. And Jesus is God. He has glory. But how is it that the Bible says that we can share in God's glory, in Jesus' glory, by imitating, by being people who do what God wants us to do, that we participate in God's mission? We glorify Christ by showing Christ's character in our lives. We can bring glory to God by loving, being truthful, being holy, being gracious, being good, having mercy, practicing self-denial, practicing obedience, practicing suffering. These are all part of of what brings glory to God. It's what we do that makes that happen. So we do glory, we bring glory to Christ by actually doing God's work here on earth. So in John chapter 15, verse 8, passage that we looked at a number of weeks ago, the vine and the branches, look at this. This is to my Father's glory. What's to the Father's glory? That you being the disciples and to us as Christians, that we bear much fruit. Doesn't have anything about praise and honor here, not about majesty. We bring the Father glory by doing what God wants us to do. We bring God glory by reflecting the glory in our own lives that Jesus has and that God has. Or look at this verse. Jesus is talking to Peter about the kind of death that he's going to have. He says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter is going to glorify God, but it's not by singing hymns. It's not by saying, praise Jesus. He's going to glorify God by dying the same way Jesus did be crucified. That's what brings glory to God. It's what Peter did that brings glory to God, not necessarily what Peter said. The the glory of God is a visible action on our part. As we do what God wants us to do, we show others what the glory of God is. Glory of God is also 
We glorify Christ by showing Christ's character in our lives. Others can see God's glory by us showing God's character. I want to use as another example Moses. Again, this is Mount Sinai. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. But when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. Moses spent time in the presence of God. It actually physically changed him. His face lit up. And when he came down, he didn't even know it. And it stayed that way for a number of hours, even for sometimes for a couple of days. When Moses was in the presence of God, his, his life changed. His physical face changed. That's not exactly what happens to us as Christians today, but an analogous situation happens. When we spend time with God, and we spend time thinking about his glory, what he has done, his characters, it should change us. Other people should see us, look at us, and say, Moses, there's something different about you. That's obvious. But for us, we reflect the glory of Christ. And by reflecting the glory of Christ, we are changed. And so when I started the sermon by saying, you know, I know God, but the longer I'm a Christian, I say, I just don't know God. I'm learning about God. I'm learning every single day. What I am learning is how to reflect the glory of God in my life. Because that's really what Jesus is talking about here. We can say we know God, and if all that is, is just Studying scripture, memorizing, going to seminary, learning theology, that's just all knowledge. That's good. That's okay. But if knowledge doesn't turn into action, there's no glory in that. Knowing God involves having the character of God in us. Knowing God involves having the glory of God in us. That's what sharing in the glory of Christ means. Knowing God means that we're involved in the mission of Christ because that is what sharing in the glory of God is, is all about. We need to be people who glorify God in our lives. Now what we think about when I say that is we're glorifying God, how do we do that? We sing praises. We, uh, we lift up God's name. We honor him. We say, you are so majestic. I am bringing glory to God. And that is true. I'm not saying that that's not true. That is definitely part of it. But if you've been following what I've said about the glory of God, that's not the whole ball of wax. There is more to the glory of God than just praising him and honoring him. Glory of God is Christ's work on the cross, his death and his resurrection. The glory of God is the characters 
the character of Christ as he ministered to people on the earth. The glory of God is love, compassion, mercy. It's goodness, it's humility. But more than that, we can't sing about God's glory. We can't worship God about God's glory if we're not willing to change our lives. If we're not willing to reflect God's glory in our lives. If we're not willing to be radiant in the way that Moses was when he came into the presence of God. If we're not willing to make that step, then it's just words. Yes, God, you are glorious, but it's just words. We need to be willing to know God. And to know God means allowing God's glory to work its way into our lives. We'll do it every day of our lives till we're done. We will get to know him day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. We will come to know God as we allow the glory of God to work its way into our lives and for us to reflect the brilliance that is God because of the character that we portray to the world around us.